Okay, we're going to get started. So we have been talking about discipleship. Okay, just a brief recap. We talked about what a disciple is, a disciple being a learner. And when you see the Gospels and you look through the Gospels of Jesus Christ and the rest of the New Testament, you see that it is a manual on discipleship. As we mentioned, I believe discipleship was mentioned, I want to say it was 294 times. And then the word Christian was only mentioned three. And Brother Jess pointed that out for us, which I thought that was very stellar of him to know that. That was very awesome. So out of the whole New Testament, out of the whole Bible, the word discipleship, I believe it was 294 times is mentioned in the Bible. The word Christian is only mentioned three times. The fact of being saved is is epic. That's what all mankind has to do. But after salvation, we have to multiply. Multiplication has to start to happen. This is the act of discipleship. This is what Jesus began. When you're watching and as you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want you to remember this when you're reading your Bible. Watch the transformation happen. Watch the transformation happen in these people's lives. You know, here we're, we're talking about normal people. Fishermen, for crying out loud. Fishermen. Tax collectors and such. Common people whose lives were built in just being a common person in that day. Typically a very sinful person. But as you watch the transformation begin to happen in these people's lives, you see something going on in the time that they're spending with Jesus. Now listen very carefully to this. Everything that Jesus did was on purpose. Amen? Amen. He was purpose-driven in everything He did. And He had a plan... And his mission, you know, if I was to ask everybody here tonight, what was the mission of Jesus Christ? You all would say, well, he come and he died for our sins so that we could be saved. And that's absolutely right. That's part A. But part B of that is also what? So that he could build. He had an 11 fold ministry. 11 people. An 11, you could say multiplication in 11 to take on his ministry, to carry on. He selected 12, one, as we know, as the scripture calls him, was a traitor. So 11 people, Jesus came, yes, to save us from our sins. Yes. But he also came with a mission to pass on to people to pass on, to pass on, to pass on to others. So it didn't stop with the life of Jesus. We are built spiritually to multiply. So that's what disciples do. When you look at a failing church, and let me tell you, up north there's a whole truckload of them. If we was to take a bus tour, and we, uh, the Big Woods Church was to get on a bus and we'd go north and check out all these churches that's turning into uh, pagan uh, religions whose buildings are being bought by Islamists, etc. If you was to take a look at the crowd in those, in those churches up there, what you would see is a lack of multiplying. 
So what does that what does that go back to? That goes back to a loss of the idea of discipleship. Because true disciples are carrying on the ministry. No matter how old you get, you know, I mean, we all get to a certain point where we have to we have to retire and do things. But you always go on, go on being a disciple of Christ and trying to get people saved You're, It's always forefront in your mind. Always. Even Andrew, when he was, according to the Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs and according to the historians, Andrew, uh, when he was being crucified, he was tied to a cross, tied by ropes to a cross, hanging there until he died for days and days and days until he died. He, even though he was tied to that cross, was preaching the gospel. Okay? Getting people saved. We good to go? Okay, (laughs) so I'm going to carry on. So that's the idea. You see these failing churches. That's what's happening. People have lost the drive, lost the love, lost the mission that Jesus left them with. Every single one of us, not just me, not just Jess, all of us are disciples of Christ. And it's up to you how much you want to go forward with it. And how much you want to drive to do the will of God. To be obedient to Him. This is kind of a basic recap. So, I mentioned this Sunday uh, in my sermon when I was preaching to you guys, action validates faith. This is the whole essence of discipleship. This is the whole essence. What a statement this is. Uh, This was the very thing that Jesus was trying to teach this very green, brand new group of disciples. That they had to be obedient and that their action would determine what would happen to the rest of the world. That's why we're here. The actions of our forefathers, the obedience of our forefathers in faith has brought us to this point. Uh, in that wonderful service, and I go back to this a lot, but we had for Jess where, where the, uh, you know, Jess testified about somebody come to visit him and talk to him about Jesus Christ. Got him to come to church and he got saved. And then the church took off. And here we are today, some 50 years later, here we are still here because people have kept the faith. But it's so important that we teach this to the next generation. Jesus never said it was going to be an easy job. It's not going to be an easy job. Children today are going to be very difficult to reach. Younger people are going to be very difficult to reach. But they still have to see that truth is truth and God doesn't change. Okay? As I said, if you'll notice when you read through the Gospels, Jesus always lived... Listen to this very carefully. Jesus always lived with a view of the end of His earthly ministry in mind. If you've never noticed that, Jesus was always talking about He had to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was always talking about that He would raise after the third day. Jesus was always living with the end of His ministry, His earthly ministry, always in mind. It was always uh, 
the preparation of a few who would carry on his ministry after he ascended to the Father that was ever before him all the time. We had three years to live with the Son of God on this earth in physical form. It was always before Jesus. If you read the Gospels, think back. After you, you, you folks here who have read the Bible many times, think about it. This was always in Jesus' mind. So he had three years to prepare people to carry on a ministry that has now lasted over 2,000 years. So what can I say about this? I can say that this is effective discipleship, how Jesus did it. This is effective, how He did it. That's a very important point. Uh, the Bible study that we're going to go on, it focuses on that training and the transference of ministry to Jesus' selected disciples. Jesus was always about a transference of His ministry to these men. That's what He was doing. Not only was He healing and doing all these things, but the reason why He was doing that was to show them what to do. That's why. And every example, holy example was He. And everything He said, everything that He did was for our benefit. Not for His own, so to speak. Understand my speech when I say that. God loves us and wanted to do those things for us. And, he, and the Bible says that God gave His only begotten Son because He loved us so much. But Jesus was preparing these 11, because he knew one was a devil, one was a traitor, but he was doing all this stuff for a, a, a span of three years to teach them, and he was transferring his ministry to them. You following me? This is so important. This is when you read the Bible, remember these very important points, because you, brothers and sisters, you, are the select of God now. You. So God is looking at you and me the same way that He looked at the early church. We've been selected. You've been saved. You've been born again. God has saved you. Now you're a disciple. Now it's time to, to get into that program of discipleship so that you can that ministry can be transferred into your life. The Scripture says the, 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 the purpose... And the job of the pastor is, listen, to equip you for the work of the ministry. To give you the equipment that you need. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. That's the job. What is the ministry? Doing these things that you see Jesus doing. Jesus said, these things that I do, you may do also, but more of them, for I must go to my Father. In other words, in three short years, I'm only going to live to be 33. You can carry on. Some of you might live to be 90. You should do a lot more than what I've done because I'm going to be in your heart. I'm going to be working within you. I'm going to be inspiring you. You're going to be born again. The Holy Spirit's going to be in you. So yes, you have the power to do these things. But the problem is, that a lot of people don't understand what being a disciple is. Now, I'm feeding you lots of information. Information is nothing unless you put it into action. This means personal evangelism, reaching the lost, always being used by God, no matter where you're at. No matter where you're at. So you may wonder, 
Why did Jesus only leave His ministry to a select few? Why not start a mass movement with crowds of people? It's a great question. Because at any time, Jesus could have had the crowds. There was crowds thronging Him. So why didn't He just do it Himself and just all these mass followers? Well, I'm going to answer this. Hopefully they'll be able to get these things up here. I don't know. But I'm going to read to you what's going on. Uh, Jesus, though He ministered to the needs of the crowds, Jesus knew them, basically how fickle they were, and how their heart was not right with God. He knew them that was in the crowd. Listen, what John does a really, really good job at telling us this. Listen at John. John chapter 2. This would be slide number one when they get this going. So John chapter 2, 23 through 25 says this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, it says, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now, I'm going to read that same verse and I wish this was up here because this would be really good for you to see this. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation, which puts it in more our... I use a lot of different translations in my study to pull out meaning and extrapolate meaning when the King James Version does a word salad that nobody can understand. So, okay, they're pulling this up here. I want you to see this. You might not be able to see it because it's a lot to see, but I put both versions up here. Yes, sir. Okay, I'll read this to you. This is what that same verse of Scripture says in the New Living Translation. It says this, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust Him. But Jesus didn't trust them because He knew human nature no one needed to tell Jesus what mankind was really like. And I know this is very small. But this is a, a comparison between the NLT and King James Version. And you, it, it just clarifies it a little bit. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust Him. But Jesus didn't trust them. It says it right there in the Bible. Listen, John points it out again and then in the following slide. In the following slide it says this, John 6:26 through 29. This is what it says. Jesus answered them and said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, you see <laughs> I know it. Verily, <laughs> Jesus said unto them, Oh, good. Here we go. Jesus answered the sin of the very, very last answer. You seek me, listen to this, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. This is a reason why he just didn't do the masses, okay? Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, 
which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus said unto them, This is the work of God, that you may believe on him who he hath sent. What he is saying is, you come to me to eat. You come to me for the things that I provide for you. You don't come to me for me. That's the difference. And that's why Jesus didn't choose the masses. They were coming to Jesus for superficial reasons to meet a physical need because they were hungry and they wanted to see him do miracles. But the miracle should have been something that made them believe in him as the Christ, as the Messiah, and want to make him the Lord of their life, which it didn't. And so, what we see here, that if Jesus was to have used the crowds, things would have quickly got off track. Jesus didn't use the large crowds of people. He knew their hearts were not right. The same people that He was feeding here, who was, uh, who was believing in Him, would be the same people later who would cry, Hosanna! On Palm Sunday, but then would cry crucify him five days later on Good Friday. So Jesus knew what was in man. He knew that a disciple had to be more than that. A disciple can't be someone who superficially believes in God, but they have to be a committed person. And understanding that Christ knows their very heart, their motivations, and their intent. The Bible says He knows the very intent of our heart. A measure, if you will, of your sincerity. God knows. God knows. Now, as we go along here, I'm going to go on to, the, to Luke chapter 6, but I want to take a look at these verses of Scripture and show you where Jesus started training and doing a transference of ministry to His selected disciples that means to you and me too. You're going to see this happen in Luke chapter 6, and then we're going to go down to Luke chapter 9, and then we're going to take a look at uh, Luke 9 and 10, which is not included with the first set. But this is what happens, and I want to ask you some questions. Luke chapter 6, what we see going on here, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out into a mountain to pray, And continued all night in prayer to God. Okay? And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. And then he gives their names. And Judas Iscariot, who was the traitor, it says. So I want to stop for just a second. What do you think Jesus prayed for all night long? Because something was getting ready to happen here. Let me read this next set of scriptures and we're going to come back to that. In Luke chapter 9, it says, He called the twelve together and He gave them power and authority over devils and to cure diseases. And listen, and He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And He said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves, nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house you enter into, there abide and thence depart. 
And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed, went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What we're seeing here is on purpose discipleship training. So what happens in Luke chapter 6? What do you think now? That was Luke chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9 as we're going in chronological order. What now do you think Jesus was praying about all night long? Let me ask you that question. Anybody. What do you think that Jesus, before He had sent these, I'm going to try to help you out and give you, some, give you something to think about. What do you think that He was praying about knowing here just a few chapters later that he was going to send his disciples out to do this as he began his transference of ministry. What do you think he was praying for all night long? Anybody want to take a stab? What do you think? All night long. Praying all night long. Let me... Go ahead. That Absolutely. Strengthening them for the journey ahead. We see in John, the book of John, Jesus praying for all of us. To give them authority. <clears throat> in Luke 9, I want to talk about this just a minute here in just a second. Gave them authority, in other words, to equip them so that they could do the ministry. Do you think he was praying about this? The value of personal up-close relationship with Jesus, not from a crowd's perspective. Why did he pull them apart? Why did he go spend time with them personally? Praying alone. Why did he do that? And then here we come into Luke chapter 9 and they're sent out. They're sent out. What do you think that in, in Luke chapter 6? Man, he selected these 12 from all these apostles. What danger is there in doing that? Do you think that people might have, might have wanted to, to say that this was not fair? That maybe they should have been involved in this and that they should have been accounted for and they wanted to be a part of the discipleship program? They wanted to be a part of Jesus' closest realm? Do you think that there was complaints like that? Jesus didn't care about that, did He? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't make any, there's nothing mentioned in the Scripture. Jesus said He selected twelve. The others were dismissed. That's what it says. Or at least they might have hung around, but they were not considered His twelve. So why would He do that? Selecting people, what can we learn about from that? The strategic purpose for that? Selecting people who He could trust was paramount. He knew all men. We just read that. He knew the hearts of all people. He knows who He can trust. In John 2:24 and 25, he knew their hearts, the sincerity level. He didn't let the possibilities of their feelings getting hurt sway him from his selectivity. What power and authority was given to the disciples? The first thing we see is stated before is Jesus equipping the disciples to do the work of the ministry. Power, listen at this very carefully. Because this is so important to be a disciple. You have to know this. More than that, more than knowing, you have to believe this. This is what you see going on right here. He gave them power 
and authority, the Bible says, over all devils and to cure diseases. What does that mean? Power is the ability to do something. Authority is the right to do it. Power is the ability to do something. Authority is the right to use it. So what was he doing? Over here in the book of Luke, he was giving them the power, the transference of ministry, and giving them the authority, the right, to use it. To teach them. Look as we break this down. Take nothing for your journey. What do you guys think that he was doing when he told them to take nothing for their journey? No script, no staves, no bread, no money. Why would Jesus tell them that? Anybody. Why would Jesus tell these greenhorns, these brand new disciples, who didn't know hardly anything, why would He tell them to take nothing? So they could learn to depend on Him. Yes. So that they could learn that He is completely and utterly dependable. This was a tour of duty not a vacation. This was a tour of duty. This was a, a missionary act, so to speak. This was instructed travel. To travel light. And He's teaching them what? To live by... Starts with a... And ends with an eighth. Yes! Faith! Give Angie a round of applause, everybody. That's great. I'll do it, Angie, if no one else will. Faith! Up until this point, the law reigned and everything was done, you know, by sight and it was nothing, nobody really walked by faith, they walked by rules and regulations. But Jesus was trying to, to teach them something. You can depend on me, listen, even when I'm not there. Why is that important, anybody? Why is it important that these guys go out on their own, alone, do the work of God what, and be successful at it. Why was that important? Anybody take a stab at that? Alone. Why would Jesus do that? What did I tell you? He was always on His mind in the forefront of His mind. Always this was in His mind. The end of His ministry. So why would He send them out alone? Yes. Yes. This is on purpose, folks. Jesus was the best teacher that ever lived and ever will live. And He was the best disciple teacher that would ever live. And He was teaching them by sending them out alone that they can depend on Him if they do His work, act in faith, believe in Him, even when He's not there. How important is that? So here we are. 2022. Jesus isn't in the flesh with us. But how many agrees with me? He's right here. Amen? Can I get a big amen? One, two, three. Yes, He's here. And the program has never changed. This program has never changed. The problem is, is in the church, we fail to teach this. 
I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church worldwide. Most people isn't taught this purpose-driven stuff. So we don't know. We just come to church. And then we listen to the preacher preach and then we go home. That's, that's not it. Do you see a distinct difference between them and us right now? Absolutely. They're being taught something. They're being, they're being taught, listen to this, to do something they've never done before. But how powerful they were given power, the ability, and they were given authority, the right, to do it. That's where we're at. That's why we pray for people. Because we've been given the power and we've been given the authority to do it. Oh, when we fail to pray, the Bible says the fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When we fail to pray and ask for God to do His work, we are, we are letting the ball, dropping the ball big time. So, they had to learn to trust Jesus to enable them to do what He told them to do. That's what the disciples had to learn. Okay? So, when we look over here, I want to go back to one verse of Scripture. After this was all over, and they came back from their little mission, in in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, it says, And the apostles, when they returned, told Him all that they had done, and then He took them, and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Why? Why did he do that? Do we ever ask ourselves the questions why? When you read the Bible, you should read it as an investigative reporter. Who, what, when, where, how, and why? Why would he do that? Somebody, one of you Bible scholars out there, answer this. Why would Jesus, after he took the disciples up, up, uh, and sent them out, and they went out and they did their work, and they came back and reported to him all the wonderful things that had done, and he took them apart to a desert place. Why? Why did he do that? To rest. To rest? What else? What happened when they got there? They got flooded with people again. But even though they had worked hard and they got flooded with people again, God was able to now sustain them. That even though we work hard, you know, in Bible college they taught us that preaching one message, and Tammy will tell you how many hours I spent on this, I mean, hours have went into this. But to preach one message is equivalent to working one eight-hour day. Not counting all the hours that you spent in preparation and prayer seeking guidance from God. But He can sustain you for the work at hand. You remember when, and and I bring to to your attention, the woman at the well. When the disciples looked at Jesus and they said to Him, they said, Master, you need to eat. You haven't eaten. And Jesus said what, Bible scholars? Yes. And in layman's terms, I'm being sustained. Yeah. I'm hungry. My body needs something. But God's able to sustain me. 
In the Old Testament, we see the old uh, in the Old Testament we see them taking laps around the mountain for what was it, forty years? They took laps around the mountain. Was it forty years, brother Jess? Their sandals didn't wear out. Nothing wore out. God sustained them. Fed them. Bread from heaven. So God can sustain you for the work of the ministry. He can help you with that. He can do that. Jesus' apostles, yes, they needed to rest. It's hard work. It's spiritual work. In which most people aren't used to working the spiritual man out. It's difficult for a lot of people to do that. Because they're not used to spiritual work. Let me tell you something. Spiritual work is a lot more demanding than physical work. It's very demanding. And it's hard on the inner man. Because you're constantly... It's like lifting weights. When we were weight training, you always did weight training with resistance training. You always wanted resistance when you were lifting. When you were pushing and pulling. You wanted resistance. Because resistance, you're breaking muscles down not only when you're pulling, but when you're letting down. Resistance makes it hard. And so we have got to work that inner man out. Jesus and the apostles tried to get some rest, but the crowds wouldn't let them go. What was next? What do you do with 5,000 hungry people? 5,000 hungry people. The twelve suggested, send them away. Philip worried about the budget. And Andrew started with what they had brought with them. And Jesus taught the twelve a very important lesson for their future work as a disciple. A, that no situation is impossible. If you take what you have and give God thanks for it and share it with others, God will multiply it with you. What an amazing... Jesus was continually continually teaching these people lessons about being a disciple. But it was different than anything they had ever done. They were trusting God for the first time for everything they needed. What an amazing experience this was for these believers. It was amazing. Knowing this, Jesus built His ministry on a select few who would form the superstructure of His future kingdom. Listen, disciples can't be mass-produced. What Jesus shows us is He makes the difference He makes between the crowd and the twelve was the intimate personal relationship that He built with them and Himself as the Messiah. You can't take shortcuts by mass producing people into disciples. It has to be between you and Jesus. It's the only way you learn. Through trial and error, through putting your listening to God. You know, a lot of people will try something, God will lay something on their heart, and when it doesn't go exactly their way, they give up. Well, that's okay, but that's not what you should do. Because no matter what you do for God, there will be a struggle with it. Trust me. Satan will be there to put a roadblock in your way. And never let Satan take the victory. Never give up. 
When God lays something on your heart, folks, that's your job. It's been designed from heaven for you to do it. You jump on it and you do it and say, say yes to it with all your heart. And, and if you fail or you feel like you failed, it's probably God just teaching you something. Remember when the disciples couldn't cast a demon out of the person? And Jesus come along and said, listen, this kind don't come out through, but through fasting and prayer. They failed, but they didn't stop. As a disciple, you're going to fail some. Even though you're in the will of God, you might feel like you failed, but perhaps it's God teaching us a little bit of something. Like He did with the disciples. What Jesus is teaching us is that Jesus entrusted the future of the world to a few whose beliefs had been founded on a very deep and indestructible set of convictions, not on the shifting sands of superficial impressions in the minds of the many. Understand this point. Just because Jesus focused His attention on the few doesn't mean that He didn't want to reach the multitudes. But He knew these few, just like us, with a determination and a faith in Him would evangelize the world. Whereas a crowd with all these superficial beliefs would crash inevitably. But you have been entrusted with something from the beginning of time. Jesus' focus and concern was not with the programs to reach the multitudes. Listen to this. This is so important. But with the men, the multitudes would follow. He wasn't worried about programs to reach the multitudes what he was concerned about is developing people multitudes would follow that's what your job is to be recognizable as a disciple of christ what makes you a followable person it means you're steady in your convictions what makes you someone someone would want to follow? A person who's truthful. A person who says they believe in Christ, but doesn't go out and live like the devil. Holiness is in your life. A person who says when they're going to pray for you, they do. They do. Some of you probably already have people at your workplace or people that you've known. When something goes wrong in their life, they call you. Why? Because you're followable. But the problem is, is we have to also take that nature that God has given to us. The love of God makes you attractive to the people who need you. But you need to get them saved. And we oftentimes leave that critical part out of when God opens the door. I'm gonna, I'll give you an example. Such and such comes to you. And they've got something going on. And their heart's been heavy. Disciples, listen to this. And they come to you and they say, Oh, Angie, listen. 
I, I've had a hard time this week and I just feel like my life is, in, is, is, is just in the, the bottom of the barrel. I, I've, this has happened and that's happened and I feel horrible. And I just feel like my heart is just breaking. I'm unsteady. I, feel un, I just feel like I can't count on anything. Well, Angie could answer this and say, well, I'll pray for you. And then Angie just failed, so to speak, if you understand my speech. Or she could have took her hand and prayed for her. Or she could have said this, so-and-so, I want to tell you how you can break all these binds that tie you. I want to tell you how you can come out of this hole that you seem to be in, that you seem is no bottom to, seems to you. I want to tell you how this can happen. W- would you like to do that? Oh, yes, I would, Angie. Nothing would make, I will do anything for an opportunity to get my mind and my heart delivered from this awful state that I'm in. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Do you want God to save you from this? And oh, listen, a lot of times when the love of God is emanating from you and Jesus' hands come forth from your soul and they reach out to the person, a lot of times, Angie, that person will put their hands in Jesus' hands in whom you are representing. And then you tell them, repeat this after me. And you pray a sinner's prayer with them and they ask to be forgiven. And God saves the soul and you've multiplied. And then you start their training. That's how we do it. But that's how we fail and that's how we succeed. Oh, a lot of times. And you can probably think in your own mind. I know I can think in my mind the times I fail. How many times did God open a door for me with someone and I say, well, I'll pray for you. That was it. And maybe even with a sincere heart to do so, maybe I've even forgot. When I could have just stopped right there. And led that person to Jesus Christ. No matter where you're at. You see, that's what Jesus was teaching the disciples in step number one right here. Multiplication. These questions that I asked. When we were going through this. What do you think Jesus included in His all-night prayer? What can we learn from Jesus' strategic purpose for the selection of the twelve from the crowd? What power and authority was given to the disciples? What power and authority do we have? Have you ever thought of that? Or when we come to church and when we do these programs like we've got selected, are we trying to do things in our power or are we trying to use the power of God to do them? Maybe we need to use the power of God. Maybe that's the plug-in. We need to take our spiritual cord and Plug it into the power of God and let it energize us. And allow God be obedient to the mission in all that we do. Always seeking to save the lost. When we're here, 
And when we're out there, amen, a disciple of Christ, transference of ministry, step one, Jesus's, as we can see in the life of these disciples, Jesus's was ever before him, folks, ever before him was the end of his earthly ministry. The preparation of these few people to carry on when he wasn't there. It was ever before him. You remember how he rebuked Peter. When Jesus said to Peter, I got to go to Jerusalem. There I'll be crucified. Oh Lord, we can't let you get behind me, devil. Peter didn't, that is a denial of not only, not only the mission of Jesus, but the transference of that ministry to him. He should have been ready for Jesus to have been gone. You see this, it's a different. Jesus sees things differently. If you watch carefully when you read the Gospels and you ask those questions, who, what, when, where, how, and why, folks, listen to me. It'll bring revelation to you and it'll bring an epiphany to you in the Scriptures about who you are right now. Stand with me.